This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Big show today on the Eastern Insider Podcast as Mid-American Conference play returns for EMU football yes, this week. Yes, yes, Greg Steiner. Places that we're familiar to go to and how to get there, unlike our non-conference travels this year. He is Alex Jewell. I'm Greg Steiner. What a week it was last week. Eastern Michigan football, a historic performance. 59 points, Alex. More impressively, the defense. Hold on, hold on. I think Eastern Michigan just scored another touchdown on Texas State, if that's possible. That's right, partner. You look at it. They hung a lot of points on the board. Ben Bryant and company, he uh, able to throw for three scores. And he rushed for a 39-yard scamper as well. Ben Bryant's got some legs. I'll tell you what, if, if you're just tuning in and maybe this was the first game that you had seen Ben Bryant in at quarterback, certainly, Greg, we've known for a while since he transferred to Eastern Michigan from Cincinnati that his arm was a weapon. I think he did a really nice job, though, too, of eluding traffic, keeping himself uh, in a pocket. And, and Eastern Michigan's offensive line did a fantastic job to keep him protected as well. But then, yeah, I mean, a little fake, a little pull and run and uh, did a nice job there as well. But really a team performance. And if you ask Ben Bryant or anybody that was uh, a quote-unquote star of the game, they'll tell you that it was really a team effort. The defense did a fantastic job. Three different receivers caught touchdown passes for Eastern Michigan and a receiver even threw a touchdown pass, which is certainly something we've seen out of Coach Creighton teams before. Uh, but off to a three and one start. Coach Creighton now one of just six coaches in history here at Eastern Michigan to get his team off to a three and one start multiple times. So that's really an impressive way 
to begin the season. Another key matchup this week, a chance to get off to the right foot, Greg, in MAC play. If you want to win a MAC championship, if Eastern Michigan wants to bring one home for the first time since 1987, you and I both know that you have to start off well. And this is going to be a tough matchup against a much improved Northern Illinois team. We talk all too often uh, about slaying dragons. That used to be Christian Spears's terminology for doing things people say aren't possible. Chris Creighton has a lengthy list of those. Uh, and yes, you talked about getting off to a good start. Four and one would be what Eastern could be if they win this weekend. And that's not happened very often in uh, the 40 plus years Eastern has been in the Mid-American Conference in football. So they will have a chance, but it won't be just a pushover. Rocky Lombardi, the former Michigan State quarterback, will be under center for NIU. He and Ben Bryant have a common uh, trait. They are both offensive players of the week for the West Division this week. They share that title as Eastern had a pair of uh, players selected for MAC honors. Chad Ryland also uh, getting special teams honors as he becomes the all-time leader in point after touchdowns. Oh, how sweet it is for the f- kid from Hershey, PA. Uh, a fantastic honor for him. Something we knew he was going to probably hit this year, that all-time record for, for PATs, Greg. But still, great to see him finally clip the record book in that regard. Eight for eight uh, this uh, past weekend against Texas State. That's the most in a game for anybody in the MAC this season. Also added a field goal, which was really important. He talked to me actually after the game and said, the PATs are great. He expects those to go in. He was more excited to get on the field and, and make up for a field goal because uh, the previous week at UMass, Greg, he missed two, which is very, very uncharacteristic of him. So talk about a bounce back week, not only hitting all your kicks, but then earning the honor as the conference's best player uh, in your in your position group, which is certainly a spectacular award for him to be able to pull in. And a great honor for Ben Bryant, too. Really uh, a kind of a marquee matchup when you look at Rocky Lombardi, who also gets the co-honor with Ben Bryant. And really, this is going to be a great quarterback matchup. A lot of people are going to have their eyes on this game Saturday in DeKalb. But I will say, Rocky Lombardi, he's lived up to his name a little bit this year. He's been a little rocky. He's thrown five interceptions and five touchdowns. So a chance for Neil Nethery's defense to maybe continue with some of their success here. They forced six turnovers, and Eastern Michigan scored on each of those, so a good chance to take advantage in that category against the Huskers. Plenty of football talk still to come. I'll have our weekly one-on-one with head coach Chris Creighton. Uh, We also have uh, a lot of other sports going on this week. Right now, men's and women's golf both in action. The men's golf team, they're up in Wisconsin. MJ Smith right now, when we're recording this, was sitting on top of the leaderboard in the Badger Invitational. So uh, stay tuned to emueagles.com to see if Eastern can pull out that individual championship. Meanwhile, Kylie Dahl was just one shot off the lead out at the Golden Grizzly Invitational at Oakland. That one also still going on. They wrap up play this week. And then next week, and we'll talk uh, Shirley Spork Invitational as that will be going on at Eagle Crest on Monday and Tuesday. Men, uh, we also have volleyball in action. They'll be in DeKalb this weekend. And so will women's soccer. And women's soccer. We're going to paint the town green, I think, in DeKalb this weekend. You're right. Uh, both soccer and volleyball, Greg, they got MAC play started this past weekend. Didn't fare as well as we would have liked. Miami was the opponent for Eastern Michigan in soccer yesterday. That's a Kaluna Field. They got off to a 1-0 start, but then were outscored. Uh, Miami took the lead in the 88th minute, so tough 
loss there, and then a pair of matches that uh, volleyball was set back in to Western Michigan this past weekend as well. But there, uh, Western is a team that really has aspirations to win the MAC, so a lot of improvement still to go for Darcy Dorton's squad. But she's really confident that can happen. A great weekend, a great chance to do it uh, this weekend moving forward. You're right, a lot of action uh, going on, and that's just the just the, yeah, the tip cross, of the iceberg. Cross country in action at Notre Dame, and then women's tennis. Jason Weisman will host his second Invitational of the fall this weekend at the Chippewa Club. And then we also get women swimming and diving. It's here already as they will have host their usual green and white invitational. So a busy week. That didn't even top on the Hall of Fame, which we will have plenty more on. You and I were able to catch up with some Hall of Famers. We uh, will also catch up with some special guests in the upcoming week who happen to be there. And one and only former Mac Player of the Year, Grant Long, who was uh, a guest of Charles and Carl Thomas, who you most often see on Valley Sports right now as the Pistons analyst. Yeah, he'll, his interview will be coming up next week. We'll have a whole Hall of Fame series. Six inductees, Greg, went into the Hall of Fame on Friday night last week. And so uh, a great chance to hear from them as they're now enshrined in the E-Club Hall of Fame with more than 250 other uh, fellow alums from different eras. So We'll continue to bring you those interviews, catch up with some of those uh, inductees as well as you mentioned, some special guests. Uh, But this week, Greg, uh, we also have, in addition to Coach Creighton's interview, everybody knows that it's an important year for the MAC as we celebrate the 75th anniversary of the conference. And uh, since it's the beginning of football MAC competition, we thought it was only right to play an interview for you that we had yet to put out, but was recorded just a little bit ago, but still the content is great. And it's with a good friend of yours uh, in the conference office. Oh, Bob Generelli, the second-in-command at the Mid-American Conference Office, the deputy commissioner, and the guy that makes it all happen. Yes, John Steinbrecher is wonderful, uh, but Bob Generelli is the man who makes it all happen. Well, it is, and he talks about, I mean, if you want to know how schedules happen, how the conversation with TV goes, all... All of the the behind-the-scenes work, Bob is really handling a lot of that. He does, and he is the guy that is in the mix with ESPN. He's calling them on a daily basis. He's also the guy that oversees our campus uh, ESPN initiatives. He's a scheduler. He'll pop you popcorn on weekends, and he'll uh, help you set up your (laughs) Roku when, when needed. But Bob's a great guy. We caught up with him, and it's a fun conversation because he's not only been in our role as an SID before, he was he was that at Texas and then as well as part of the Southwest Conference before they folded, but now he's seen everything else in between. So our conversation with Bob and Chris Creighton tonight on the show. Your description is a great teaser. We hope that you'll take the time to listen in to these interviews. Great, great, great interviews ahead just after this. We'll take a short break. We've run nine minutes in this open. I think it's time to get to those uh, interviews, Greg. So we'll take a short break. On the other side of it, Greg Steiner will sit down with Coach Creighton. He'll talk about what his team needs to do to get to 4-1 this weekend. And then the two of us will tag team our interview with Bob Generelli. So stick right here with us on the Eastern Insider Podcast, the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. For 82 years, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan has been and continues to be committed to families all across Michigan. By providing access to care, however, wherever and whenever they need it, Blue Cross is here for it all and always will be. Whether you're in the D or out to sea, we always bring you the E on the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. The Eastern Insider Podcast. 
Non-conference portion of the schedule is complete, and the Eagles will get ready for Mid-American Conference play this upcoming weekend as they'll travel to DeKalb, Illinois, to take on the 2-2 two two Huskies of Northern Illinois. Joined, our, as always, in our weekly conversation with EMU head coach Chris Creighton. Eagles off to a 3-1 start following a 59-21 victory over the Bobcats of Texas State. Uh, coach, 3-1 and one after non-conference, it, 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 as a as a unit, things went pretty well against uh, Texas State, both offensively, defensively, and special teams. We wanted to get off to a to a good start. I think every team always wants to get off to a good start. We just felt as though that was important for us. Uh, we we finished strong versus UMass. Uh, they you know had a tough tough loss against Incarnate Word after a huge win in overtime at FIU, and you know. F- their first time coming up here, our first time playing them. And we just, you know, being back at home, we wanted to get off to a really good start and and see, you know, if their resolve would be able to to go all the way through. We were absolutely prepared for that. But uh, it worked out. You know, we did get off to a, a good start. Um, they did come back. And like I talked about, there was, there was a lull, either, you know, re- relaxation or lack of execution where all of a sudden it got to 28 to 21. But just like the UMass, after we had a lull or a momentum potential shift, we were able to snap back into it and really finish strong. And uh, that that is a good sign. So it is far from perfect. We, we can't allow, you know, what has happened the last two weeks to happen. Uh, and I'm not talking about playing perfect all the time, but uh, we, we can't ever relax. Um, and I don't even know if that's the right word, but uh, whatever it was, we can't do it. <laughs> I know when people see 59 points on the scoreboard, they're automatically, they think my first question should be about the offense. I'm going to go the other way. Defensively, you're able to hold Texas State potent offense under 300 total yards. You have nine TFLs. Uh, Some guys picked up their first career sack. From that perspective, shaving off almost 200 yards from the week prior, that has to make Neil Nethery and company very happy about the way the defense performed. I'm telling you, we, you know, they have um, an offensive line that uh, had returning starters plus the transfers, uh, as good a running backs as 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 we'll see. Uh, a quarterback who's super dangerous. You saw that on his two scrambles. You know, he um, really good feet and, and a really good uh, arm. And then um, they had lost two really good receivers from last year, and so they were uh, um, not quite as potent at that spot, but obviously, you know, they had some explosives versus us. Our stop downs uh, ended up being excellent. And again, the, uh, the takeaway um, ended up being another big play and a big deal for us to win the turnover takeaway ratio. And um, so we got pressure on the quarterback and uh, did a nice job uh, versus the run. And we took a step forward defensively. Offensively, you're able to put up 33 first downs, most first downs Eastern Michigan's had since 2014 against Ball State in the game you had down in Muncie. Uh, you were able to, to pick and choose. You got a lot of guys to run the football, three guys that had more than, than 50 yards on the ground, including your quarterback who was able to have a big 39 nine-yard touchdown sprint. He's not known for his legs, but he showed off some wheels there. Well, <clears throat> we've never said that he can't run. I'll tell you that. he. I think people focus on on his arm because it's such a, a strength of his. But he's a good athlete, um, and he can definitely run the ball. I mean, he's shown that in every game. Uh, all four games, he's had effective runs that have helped us. And, you know, none of them have been this. Uh, this, this was a, a pretty good scamper and um, 
you know, ended up in a touchdown. So um, he's got to be able to uh, keep people honest, which he's definitely able to do. And then, you know, we'll, we'll end up having a run game for him as well. This week, a battle of two QBs that were at different places a year ago. And uh, Rocky Lombardi for NIU and Ben Bryant from for EMU this week. They also are both Mac West co players of the week. When you see how the transfer portal has changed teams, uh, good and bad, it gives guys fresh starts who have to, to, to be at a different level. When you, you see something like this matchup for a guy that was at Cincinnati, a guy that was at Michigan State last year, what does that mean for the game of college football? Well, I, I don't know what it means. I mean, this is the first year of it. Um, you know, Ben is a grad transfer. Uh, and so I think that's a little bit different. Um, and uh, they loved him um, in Cincinnati. You know, it's felt as though they had a Heisman, you know, who was then going to come back. And I think they, you know, cared about him and respected him so much that uh, they just said, look, you know, you need to be playing. So we want to try to help you find a place to play and, and whatnot. Um, so and then Rocky Lombardi, you know, I was spent six years in Des Moines and it's where he's from and being a state heavyweight champion wrestler in the state of Iowa is a pretty big deal. And, you know, started at Michigan state. So you're talking about two, um, really, really, you know, accomplished and, and talented quarterbacks and both are new to the league and are going to go head to head. And, um, you know, I think uh, it's going to be exciting. I think they're both going to have, obviously, huge roles in, in the outcome of the game. Here with EMU head coach Chris Creighton, uh, NIU, the opponent this week, you played them last, in, as we talked about in your press conference, the last game of last year, and it was a close battle. Uh, this year, you get them to open Mid-American Conference play. Is that a good thing, knowing that they were also the last team you scouted, or how much does that change your game plan and preparation that you have not too long ago focused on them. Yeah, it doesn't 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 change anything. It's just interesting, you know, because December twelfth is a long long time ago. But in in football games, it's not a whole long. You know, uh, it's not a long time ago. It's our last game of the year. Um, so pretty familiar with the twenty team, both ours and theirs from that. And um, now we just have the four non conference, you know, games under under our belt and and. Um, you know, four games is enough to compare and contrast and see what they're doing, you know, differently, uh, adjustments that they've made and um, new personnel. Um, but it does feel as though we've played them recently. At three and one, your team has an opportunity to move to four and one. It's only happened five previous times since Eastern joined the Mid-American Conference in 1976. You've talked in the past about sometimes your team handling wins differently and that success. Uh, Three and one, how do you also refocus them to say, well, it's a different uh, season now. The MAC and the chance to go to Ford Field is the real chase that we begin at this point. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't sense um, or anticipate any issue with um, you know our guys being too high or thinking that we're better than we are. I, I, I don't feel that at all, um, and they they know uh, the gravity of um, the beginning of the MAC. There's no question. You know, played four teams that the, those guys don't know of, don't know about, haven't ever played before. Um, and uh, we, we know that, you know, we were talking about some of the teams that, you know, they're playing three and I don't know if anybody's playing four, you know, power five 
Well, when we played Wisconsin, it didn't mm-hmm. go so well, you know. Um, and so the the non-conference record um, is not necessarily indicative of the teams that we're going to be facing, you know, in in MAC play. I mean, we all know each other. Um, we're we're similar, you know, in a lot of ways. And the team that prepares, um, you know, the hardest, the best, and then ultimately that goes out there and, and plays passionately and executes, you know, for three, three and a half hours, takes care of the ball, takes the ball away, makes a difference on special teams. I mean, you know, that team is going to be the team that wins the game. And our guys know and understand that, uh, you know, and so we're, we're in the phase right now where we have to prepare. Um, we have to know what we're doing and have to know who we're trying to do it against. And um, they'll uh, they'll get off to a great start academically, you know, last night, and today and um, for the week. And when we see them tomorrow, we'll be uh, they'll be locked in and, and ready to, to learn the plan. Coach, last question before we get you out of here. You you look at your your attire on Saturday. You changed it up. You went with the sweater, uh, kind of the vest look. I mean, going all Jim Trussell on us. That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've tried all my professional life to be, to be like Jim Trussell. So if I gotta um, use a sweater vest to do it, then I'll, I'll do anything I can. That guy has uh, had such an impact and continues to have an impact on. On me and who I am, I love him to death. But uh, yeah, so I, when you said a tire, I was like, "Where you? you know, I, we got uh, sledgehammers and a wrench, but I don't, I don't remember a tire." Um, so there you have. My favorite Coach Dressel story is I met him years ago back when I was working in television, and afterwards, of course, I grew up a huge Ohio State fan. And I, Coach, I'd like to get your your signature on this photo that I had, and he's like. Sure, great. So I pulled out a pen, not thinking anything of it, and it was blue. And he said, well, I'll sign it, but would not with that pen. He's like, you got to find me a red one. And said, so I found him one. Yeah. And uh, again, I, if that's what it takes, it's little stuff and little details. And he was always very good about that. Oh, there's no, the guy's got a, a photographic memory. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he remembers who you are. And I don't know how long ago that was, but he... Uh, He's an amazing man. Coach, we appreciate your time every week. You're an amazing man. Your team off to an amazing start, and we hope that we're talking about another victory this time next week. All right. Have a great week. There he is, head coach Chris Creighton of the Eagles. Get ready for NIU. Back after this, you're listening to the Eastern Insider Podcast. There's only one podcast in Washtenaw County that takes you inside the athletic department every single week. The Eastern Insider Podcast. Your home for all things Eastern all the time. 75th year of Mid-American Conference action, and we are so lucky to be joined by the Deputy Commissioner, Chief Operating Officer of the Mid-American Conference, Bob Generelli. You've been a great friend to us over the years. First time on the podcast. Uh, You're here at Media Day. How weird does it feel to know we're actually standing at Ford Field after thinking the journey we've come through so much of the last 15 months? Oh, it's a much better feeling than it was about eight months ago when we we're playing a championship game in here with piped in artificial crowd noise. No bands, no cheerleaders, no dance teams, no spirit squads, no fans, uh, and pretty much just very antiseptic uh, environment. So, But I liked it because I showed up, I scored a game, and I went home. I didn't have to worry uh, about traffic. Well, well there, there was definitely the no traffic piece of it, was, which was nice. And there were it did make things seamless as far as pregame and halftime. <laughs> Uh, but it just felt very 
it was very surreal, a very out of body experience. Like, you know, wow, this just isn't what it's supposed to look and feel like. So, you know, it's, it's fun to, to, to actually be in a place with people. It's, it was fun to sit in coaches and AD meetings again and not be staring at a computer screen. And, you know, I'm old enough that, you know, I look like every, I'm watching the Brady bunch with all the squares. So, um, so it's been fun. Uh, it's been nice to actually, um, uh, highlight the 75th anniversary. That was really something we wanted to do in the 2020, 21 academic year, but COVID kind of put the brakes on that. So, uh, but luckily if you look at the logo, it says 1946. So if you do 1946 and 75, you get to 2021. So we look like we know what we're doing. <laughs> this is a conference really in the last decade or so has really hit the map. M- midweek Maction, the, the dawning of social media and all that the conference has been able to do on that front. But as we talk about the 75th year of Mid-American Conference play, it's a conference that has history spanning way back. And I know the league plans to really honor that this year and continue to show people throughout the country and the region specifically that this conference has really been at the forefront of a lot of initiatives uh, for a long time. We, yeah, I mean, you talk about what, you know, just the cradle coaches pieces, you talk about just as a whole, I mean, this is a conference that has been a risk taker. We've done things when it wasn't fashionable to do them. I mean, you know, back before Tuesday and Wednesday night action, you know, you, you played an occasional game on Thursday night, maybe a game on Friday night, and that was it. And now, you know, we... <laughs> We've owned the month of November since 2003. And, you know, some people looked at us and said we were crazy. And now I've got peer conferences who look at me saying, if you guys ever want to give that space up, we'll take it in a heartbeat. Um, our conference race plays out on national television. Our championship game plays out on national television. I think the things we've done as a conference um, have been sort of trendsetting. Um, and there is a rich history in this conference where we're, we haven't done all the things we would love to do for the 75th, but I think we're doing some things that around football that makes sense, uh, especially here in Detroit, where we're in the process of hopefully rolling out um, some initiatives that will help us with the championship game around the 75th um, that highlight not only the conference's um, anniversary, but the rich history at each one of the institutions. And, um, and I think ultimately um, what we do with our TV package and our TV partners will be part of that process and strategic in the gains we tried to get on this year as, uh, as we moved in the midweek schedule, because you guys know it's, that's, that's not an easy exercise. Um, but you know what? I, I, think, I think we came up with a good balance this year. When you look at this conference to say 75 years, there are a lot of conferences that haven't had that luxury. Right. You worked for one that yes. folded in yes. 75 years of keeping like schools together in a similar footprint. That's not an easy task. And I think that you and the commissioner can have a large part of the reason people have stayed, too. I would just think there's a lot of commonality between our institutions, all all um, all about pretty much the same size, uh, all state institutions, uh, the geography makes sense. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it is amazing that we've only lost one full full-time member since all this conference realignment started in the nineties. And that was Marshall in 2004. Uh, you know, we've lost a couple of affiliate members in football, but again, one full-time loss. So I, it just, it's a testament to the league as a whole that, um, we all make sense. We, it's, it makes sense for everyone here. We all look, sound, and feel a lot alike. Um, there's a lot of commonality in the bandwidth of these institutions. Um, and um, so at the end of the day, you, you, um, you play to your strengths. And, uh, and I think the biggest strength of our conference is that these schools actually want to be here. 
Bob, you are a lot like a sports information director in that one of your biggest jobs at the conference, you have your hands all over, but people only bring it up to you when they don't like the way it turns out. And that's the scheduling. And we've talked a little bit about that. And I think maybe the everyday listener doesn't truly understand all that goes into a schedule. Schools are scheduling their own non-conference. Then you come in and you're working with TV partners from multiple different stations and arranging action and all of that. And I know that we could go on for probably two or three hours easily about everything that goes on, but can you give us just a, a brief kind of basic breakdown of how schedules come together when that process starts and just what are all the moving parts that go in? And maybe hopefully then people understand a little bit more and, and they might thank you for that job. I like ours. Thank you. I don't know if anybody will ever thank me, but the process starts with a lot of prayer. Um, <laughs> but really, it's a it's a it's a twelve month process, and I think that's the big thing people don't realize is that you know we just don't send everything to a computer genius and he he or she crunches numbers and spits out schedule and goes here you go. Um, you know I'm talking I'm talking right now about 2022 and. Um, I'll be sending out an email to our ADs about protected dates because there is a lot that goes into it that the common, the common everyday college football fan doesn't realize. Whether it's, Alex, as you said, non-conference games. Where do those games fall? Uh, are they going to be in the first five weeks? Are they not going to be in the first five weeks? Uh, that affects rhythm when you're in a midweek schedule. Um, where are we with protected dates? Because we afford each one of our institutions a, a designated protected date. They, they can submit two options in and you try to hit one, option A, but sometimes you don't. And it's option B. And then where does, you know, where does ESPN weigh in? Where do they, you know, who, who's the, who's the school du jour that they say, oh, this, these, this guy's got to be in the midweek other than the normal staples. Yep. Um, and obviously from what happened last year, this year's request was, oh, we need as much ball state as we can. So, you know, you factor all that in and then you factor in the, the, the driving force behind what makes the schedule happen. And that's the parameters. Uh, I would say we're the only conference in the country, FBS, that has one sheeter of incredibly specific and stringent parameters that say what I can and can't do with um, someone's schedule down to consecutive short weeks. How many short weeks? Um, you, can't, you can't end the season at home in consecutive years on Thanksgiving, Friday or Saturday. Um, and all those things are, you know, Thursday night, if we have to play Thursday night games, you can't play more than one Thursday night game in a, and it has to be a 13-week season. And, and you can't play Thursday night if your opponent is on a Saturday, Thursday. So those things, people don't understand that all that factors into trying to get to the right schedule. And then ultimately making sure that when you have a conversation with the institution, that they understand that, you know, you may not like the schedule, but it, it, it fulfills the parameters. So, you know, you're probably going to have to play it. And, um, and, and. I think ultimately trying to hit protected dates because everybody wants to play, you know, everybody wants that protected date the first Saturday in October. So you can have homecoming because weather's probably going to be good and all that. And you got a shot for a, a good crowd. And, you know, more often than not, I have to be the bearer of bad news. But, um, you know, as Commissioner Jacoby, who, Greg, back to your previous question about I used to work for a league that no longer exists. So my resume does have a great trivia question. What was the first Division One conference that played major foot college football that went out of business. That would be the Southwest Conference. Um, and I was there for six years, but worked for Mac legend Fred Jacoby. And Fred always told me that when you're doing scheduling, if everyone's complaining to you, you did your job because you shared the pain. And that's what we do. It's what you do. The other big base is you figured out television. All 
member schools at the MAC have been producing their own television for the last few years, and especially uh, volleyball, basketball, and other Olympic sports. How impressive have you seen the growth of what the schools are able to do? I, everybody's able to do it in different ways. Yeah. I mean, at Eastern, we're able to produce it with more students than, say, Ball State, who's right. using Teleplex, but everybody's used different ways to make sure their product is getting showcased. You know, Greg, when we did this, when we rolled this out in 2014, um, I didn't know what it was going to become. I was just hopeful we could get to that place on get stuff on the air. And what you guys have done on campuses across all 12 of our campuses has been amazing to hit that 35 number threshold every year. Uh, and a lot of times exceed that number uh, to, to, to get more Olympic sports on and not just say, okay, well, we're just going to do men's and women's basketball, all the home games, and then we'll see how we get to 35 after that. Because at the end of the day, that's 18 to 20 to something games. And just, um, how you've approached it, how everybody, like you said, has had a different approach to how they're going to produce, uh, because all of us have financial constraints. Um, and of all, all of us understand that, um, you know, you're trying to put your best foot forward, but you don't always have all the people you want to put your best foot forward. Um, and how people are doing double, triple and quadruple duty when you're doing something like that. But I think as, other conferences look at our agreement and how ESPN structuring agreements now. We are we are the gold standard. <laughs> yes. We are the gold standard. I mean, I will tell you that ESPN Digital always, when they roll it out with a conference for the first time, they go, well, in the Mac, this is what we're doing. And we really like it. Um, you know, the American had dove into this last year. A little bit, but COVID kind of put it on hold. So they're really having to live it this year. And they don't they don't know how to approach it because their campuses are not where our campuses are and 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 have more resources than us, but they're in different places. And maybe view this as something that's not as essential, where I think our campuses and Eastern in particular, you guys have embraced this. You understand what it means to your campus from a from a branding and exposure perspective that, you know, we didn't have before for the volleyballs, the gymnastics, the wrestlings, uh, the baseballs. And, um, and I think as we, we grow it and evolve it, there'll be another iteration of it, uh, hopefully for a championship side. Cause I think that's a next step for us as a conference, getting as many championships on as possible. I know I'm, I'm disappointed every year when we can't get baseball yeah. on because I, I, I look around and I go, well, we're the only, we're the only division one conference hosting a baseball tournament. That's not on. Yeah. So I'm excited that we're bringing a tournament back, even in a reduced way. And I'm excited that we're talking about parameters that could ultimately uh, manufacture that championship along with softball and, um, and some soccer yep. on a regular basis. A few more moments here with Deputy Commissioner of the MAC, Bob Generelli. And Bob, it's ironic I'm going to ask you this question because we're literally in a room full of people that are more qualified at X's and O's than the three of us in this conversation. But I do have to ask you, I know Commissioner Steinbrecher has talked to us in the past couple of years, not only about how important it is for the league members that are also like-minded in terms of institution, but really there's kind of the running uh, joke around the conference of, it's a Mac game. You never know who's going to win. And I know that's good across the board and all levels of the conference as well. But it wouldn't be our podcast if we didn't bring a little bit of Eastern Michigan in there, too. And just from the conference office perspective, how nice has it been to see kind of that gradual uprise of everybody in the conference? It's really become competitive in Eastern Michigan, specifically now. Every game they go out, it's competitive. We really could not say that for a long time. No, you couldn't. When I got here in 1999, um, we had one bowl game. Now we have six. Um, we had the Motor City Bowl. 
And when I got here in 1999, we had, oh gosh, more than half the conference had never been to a bowl game or hadn't been to a bowl game since the early 80s. Um, and in my 22 years now, I've seen every MAC team play in a bowl game. I've seen 11 of our 12 teams play in the championship game. Um, so the growth in our sport has been, in the sport of football across the conference has been amazing. Um, you know, the television exposure, but yeah, it's, 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 it's been amazing to view the steps that our programs have taken, um, in this sport and, uh, and playing in this building, playing in Ford field. I mean, I, when I came in, we were playing in Huntington, West Virginia for our championship game, whether Marshall was in the game or not, because the Huntington sports commission bid on it. And, uh, and then we went to campus sites for a couple of years and we were at Toledo and Bowling Green, but, uh, we came here in 2004 and to be the only, um, group of five conference to play their championship game at a neutral site. I think that means, I think that means a lot to our campuses because they can show up and they can play this game and not have to worry about, Oh, I have to host it too. Or, you know, I win my division and Oh, the, what a great prize. I get to play another Mac road game. So I think, I think this building, the student athlete experience, what we've been able to do having this event here, as opposed to, you know, doing it in a hotel somewhere where it could be anywhere USA. I think all those things I hope have helped push Mac football uh, further along on top of all the other initiatives that we've done off the field and combining with what you guys have done across the conference on the field. I'm just hoping that when we're back here in December that we get to score the game and have to work it because you go. that would be the first time and like Bob said, Eastern's finally playing it. If you'll allow me to, I guess that's the better question. I, I will go on record right now and I'll say I will allow you to. Uh, no, I, it's not like I can run the score up, well, right? I mean, I mean, what, I mean, what's the difference? You you come down and do the basketball tournament, you score Eastern That's Michigan true. men's and women's basketball games. What's the difference? That's true, Bob. I, mean, I can't appreciate your time so much. Yeah, it's it's always fun to see you guys, and it's it's fun to actually be together because the first time we've seen everybody in about 16, 17 months. So let's hope this is a trend that continues, and we don't have to um, take. Uh, it's not a one step forward, two steps backward possibilities. <laughs> This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield and presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.